Concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to meet idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge and according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gift of healing by the one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, and all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. In prayer, let us pray. Our Father and our God, as we pause in these moments to contemplate your word, we ask you to speak. We ask that we would hear, to respond rightly to the words that you would say to us. Lord, may you direct us, may you lead us, may you be our good shepherd. May we be part of your flock, your fold, cared for, guided, led by you. May you nourish us now, we pray, through your word we ask, in Christ's name, amen. Perhaps some of you are aware of this, maybe it's passed others by, but there is a new iPhone out, a new version of the iPhone now available, the iPhone 11. Some of you can't contain your excitement about this news. This new iPhone 11 has a 12 megapixel camera. It enables you to take stunning photographs even in greatly reduced light. It enables you to take wide-angle photographs. It enables you to capture 4K video and even on your phone to edit video. And you can also use it to make a phone call. If you punch in the number, press the button, you will be connected to the person on the other end of the line. But let me suggest to you that if you want to use a phone to make phone calls... You wouldn't be too wise if you spent the at least £730 it costs to buy the new iPhone 11. You'd probably be better off with the the Doro 6250, 7.50. It makes phone calls. It doesn't do much else, but it'll make a telephone call. Now, you need to understand, uh, we need to be reminded of this over and over again, that God has amazing plans for our lives. If I can use that iPhone illustration, God desires that your life would be lived at the iPhone infinity level. The best life possible, but regrettably, many Christians choose to live at the total 6250 level. 
I'm sure it's a very fine company, a very fine phone. But hopefully you get the point. Last Sunday morning we were thinking about giving and uh, realizing that when God claims someone as his own, when he saves his child, he deals with and cancels all the liabilities of the past and he secures for us our legacy in the future. But what we need to be reminded of again and again, and what we often neglect is that through the gift of his salvation, God opens up to his child limitless resources in the present. If you're a believer, you then are a child of God, and your father's infinite resources are at your disposal. Great grace, as we saw last Sunday morning, is upon you. God's good gifts are available to you. And often the truth is that believers live at a level far, far below all that God intends for them to experience. So this morning we're at the end of this little series, the little September series of sermons on congregational life basics. What, what really congregational living boils down to? Gathering, going, giving, and this morning, gifting. So what, what do I mean by Gifting. Well, I'm saying that God empowers his people to go into this world and to make a difference. And if going refers to mission, well, gifting refers to ministry. Now, on many occasions, that's the title that, that is given to me. I'm called the minister. Indeed, in the uh, rule book of the Presbyterian Church, the Code, it, it calls someone in my role a minister. But being strictly accurate in in, in, uh, proper Presbyterian polity, I'm not a minister. I am the teaching elder. And that's a helpful distinction because churches do not have a minister or a few ministers. Every person who's connected to the congregation, who's a member of the body of Christ in this place, every single one of them is called to be its minister. God shapes and molds the lives of individuals so that there is a a role that they can play, a distinctive ministry to which they're called. And God honors us, God blesses us by inviting us to share with him in his work in this world. Abby has read for us from 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul writes, and obviously there's been a question, he, he has uh, received notification from the uh, church in Corinth that they need to know about these things. So he writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. Or put it another way, he's saying, about your new potential in Christ by the Spirit, I don't want you to be neglectful. Don't miss out on the amazing purposes that God has for your life. So let's think about this idea of of God's calling upon us as his children and uh, his gifting to us to to carry out those tasks. Three headings, and perhaps the first will be uh, the longest of these three, and that is dependency. Dependency. At the very beginning, when, when God spoke into uh, the darkness, into the uh, chaos and disorder, bringing to being all that is our creation, we, we know that the Holy Spirit was, was brooding over that chaos, that formlessness. And the Spirit of God, 
at work through the Word of God, brought radically transforming power to produce the amazing universe of which we're a part. And Jesus was leaving his disciples and he, uh, he was about to ascend back to his Father and into glory and he gave them very strict instructions as to what they were to do. He, he gave them this challenge to go into the world as his agents and they were to uh, engage in radical transformation to turn the world upside down, to bring chaos and disorder to an end and bring beauty and shape and form to this world. We call it the Great Commission. But Luke reminds us in Acts chapter 1 that before the disciples had to rush into this task and to fulfill this calling, they were to wait. Acts 1 verses 4 and 5 says this, And while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Before their ministry could begin, before the Great Commission could be fulfilled, the disciples needed to know the presence and the power of God by his Holy Spirit at work in their lives. In the classic line, Jesus said, don't just do something, sit there. Wait. Wait. Now maybe today you're not feeling too great and for whatever reason, maybe a bit stiff and sore, feel a bit old or whatever, but, but believe it or not, all human beings are amazing, absolutely amazing. We are capable of stunning, staggering things. We can do incredible acts of compassion. We can show great feats of strength. We can give great displays of courage. We can express wisdom. Being shaped in God's image, as the psalmist reminds us in Psalm 139, verse 14, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are amazing. Be amazed at yourself. And because God has made us, and all of us are amazing as as human beings, There are great many things that we can do in the life of of a a, a church, in the mission of God, the ministry to his glory. And if we would choose, we can do these things in our own strength. We have incredible potential. And in some cases, when we do things in our own strength, they can be hugely successful. They can be outwardly great results. But unfortunately, those results are not lasting, not eternal. And over time, the tragic truth is always revealed of what is done through man's strength and what is done in dependence upon God. Professor John Murray was preaching a charge to a new minister uh, recently installed over 60 years ago, and he said this. The thing I want to impress upon you is that you realize deeply And increasingly, your complete dependence upon the Holy Spirit for understanding of the word and for the effectual proclamation of it. Ministry, whether it's by those who are ordained or by those whose hearts are simply set on serving God, 
is always in complete dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Not that long ago we were in the book of Zechariah in our evening services. And there in Zechariah 4, 6, a text you know. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. We need to be utterly, consistently dependent upon God. That we might carry out effective work in his name. And so our priority as we seek to minister is always to be on waiting on God rather than working for God. To wait for the promise of the Father as Jesus taught the apostles. American pastor Trevin Wax notes this, that God's people find it easier and more convenient to wear ourselves out in doing good for him than to seek a genuine, life-changing encounter with him. In this way, our good works can become a barrier to experiencing God, lulling us into complacency as to the state of our hearts, and replacing a life oriented towards knowing and loving God with a life full of religious activity. You know, many fathers have failed in this way. They have found it easier to spend long hours working hard, providing money and resources for their wives or their children, foolishly thinking that they can meet their needs simply through material things when the heart's cry from children from their father or wives from their husband is for relationship. And if it doesn't work in the human family, if we cannot be satisfied without that, time-nurtured relationship. It will not work in the spiritual family. We need to spend time with God. We need to draw our strength from Him. That's the vital prerequisite for engaging in any ministry to His glory. Paul writes here in verse 3, No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. No one can engage in the task of bringing glory to Jesus Christ unless the Spirit of at work is at, the Spirit is at work in their hearts. All ministry is carried out in dependency upon God, that all the glory might belong to Him. So, dependency is our first word. Diversity is our second word. Note verses four to six. Now there are varieties of gifts. But the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in every one. So, over these next number of weeks, the uh, Presbytery of Armagh is coming alongside our congregation to engage in what's known as a consultation. A number of elders, both ruling and teaching elders, will be meeting us and they'll review every aspect of our congregational life. Some of you will be invited to represent the congregation in those engagements. And I noted that in preparing the paperwork, and there's lots of things to be filled in in preparation for this consultation, but in filling in the paperwork, I tried to make it very clear that it's simply not possible to put on paper everything that happens 
by way of ministry and connection with this congregation, whether it's formally through all our organizations or informally through the work of individuals uh, serving God in different ways, it simply would not be possible to write all this down and give details of it all. In case you hadn't noticed, there is a lot going on in First Portadown. And for that, we give God the glory. And that's a, a good illustration of what ought to happen in the life of any church. Every believer, every member of the church has a ministry. And there always ought to be a great deal going on. And while there's much that should happen here in and around these buildings, ministry never ends here. It should uh, spill out from here into the streets of our community. If you can turn in your Bibles to Ezekiel 47, and it's a long passage, we're not going to read it, but you can, you can know what it says there. It, it speaks of this vision that the prophet has given of, of this river that flows out of the temple. And it goes on in a detailed explanation of how uh, the, the river is checked for its depth about every 500 meters. It starts out, the first measurement, it's up to your ankle. The second measurement, it's knee-deep, this water. The, the third measurement, it's, it's waist-deep. The fourth measurement, it's deep enough to swim comfortably. And this water that's flowing from the temple, everywhere it goes, it brings blessing. It transforms with beauty. Its benefits are, are seen everywhere it flows. And that's a, a picture, an image to us of what God's people are to be and do. We are to flow from our seats and out into the streets to be a blessing to this community. Having gathered, having spent time together, having waited on God, having listened to his word, we are sent to go into this world in mission. We are to go and serve in ministry. And Jesus refers to this passage in Ezekiel. Not that long ago we were studying together John 7. And there in verses 38 and 39, Jesus references Ezekiel when he says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. But here is the image that the presence and power of God indwelling the life of the believer by his Holy Spirit causes a river of blessing to go into this world to transform the community of which we are part. And there's no limit to the ways in which this can be done. As, we, as hopefully you know that at various times in his letters to the churches in the New Testament, Paul writes down lists, as he does here, lists of the gifts of the Spirit. But we understand that no, no one of these lists, or not all of them together, are exhaustive lists of what God equips his people to do. The God we worship, as we know, is a God of diversity. Look at the people around you. Look at their individual faces. No two the same. The God we worship is a God of creativity. Look at the amazing wonder of the animal kingdom. Diversity exists. Not just in this world, but in opportunities to serve our God and the equipping that he gives for ministry. 
As I was saying to the boys and girls, this means that there are things that there is no one else on the face of this planet that you're called to do that no one else can do. And what a privilege, what a responsibility that God has so shaped our lives, so brought us through our experiences that we can serve him in a way that no one else can. God gives his gifts, and they're measured out in great diversity. But it's not just in the fact that there's, there's many different gifts, but also diversity in the way in which he treats us. Most of you know I'm a father of four children, and I seek, I hope, honestly, to treat my children fairly. But I have learned that it's a ridiculous notion, a totally false notion, when someone says to you, you've got to treat your children all the same. That makes no sense. If you're never to make a difference between your children, well, what are you doing to them? Because your children are all so different. Maybe maybe I've said that, I I make no difference between my children. But we have to differentiate between our children. Yes, we may give them exactly the same amount of love, but to treat them all the same is not possible, for they are so incredibly different. And at different times in their lives, they need different things from their parents. If you're still doing today what you did for your children 20 years ago or whatever, there's something seriously amiss. They're different and they need different things in different times. And in the same way, God, as the infinitely wise and loving Father, gives to his children gifts in a diversity of ways. He doesn't give all his gifts to someone immediately, nor does he give any of his gifts indefinitely. Verse 11 says, The spread of portions to each one individually as he will. He recognizes that we and the ministries to which he calls us are requiring of different things at different times. And Paul makes it clear that every one of us has some gift. And none of us have every gift. But God gives the gifts. The manifestation of the Spirit that work would be done. And there is great Diversity in the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But this diversity does not in any way diminish from the unity that they experience. And that must be the outcome of the diversity of gifts that God gives to us, the diversity of ministries that we engage, that it still comes together in unity. Which brings us then to our final point. It's dependency, divergency, and finally discerningly. Discerningly. Back in chapter 11, if you're your Bible open at 1 Corinthians 12, it's not far to look up into chapter 11 and verse 29. And in reference to sharing the Lord's Supper, Paul says this, Anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Those are serious words. And we've got to say, what do they mean? And, and there's a divergence in, a, in what... People interpret this to be. But certainly a case can be made as you read through the context that when it refers to the body, it certainly seems in part to refer to the fellowship of God's people, the the, the brothers and sisters in Christ who come together. And as we gather around the Lord's table, we, we together recognize that we are to bless our brothers and sisters in Christ. 
What we do as we worship God in this way is to discern the bodies, to look around us and see the needs of others. So Paul writes back in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All these diverse gifts given by the Spirit have one common cause, to bless the body of Christ, to work for the common good. And all ministry must be engaged in with that overarching mindset. How will this bless my brothers and sisters in Christ? Now, some of you know only too well this disease called rheumatoid arthritis. It's a condition that affects about half a million people in the United Kingdom. It's when the body's own immune system starts to attack its joints, leading to pain, swelling, discomfort, and immobility. And it's one of around 80 autoimmune diseases where the body's healthy tissue is attacked by its own immune system. And as we think about ministry discerningly and the task that we are called to do, sadly, sometimes the work of the church is hampered and not helped by the things people do. People work for the body's harm and not for its well-being. As we serve God, we must remember the body of Christ of which we're a part and seek ever the blessing and benefit of our brothers and sisters. But the other interpretation here is of the body that Paul speaks of in 1129 is Jesus Christ. We deserve not just a fellowship, but the Lord Jesus Christ. And the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer must ever be impelling us, directing us, mobilizing us to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's always a danger that people are so involved in the ministry of the church, so engaged in the life of the family of God in this place, that you make a lot of the church, but you neglect to give glory to the Lord of the church. And it's not wrong to to, to say, we have a great church family. I'm so thankful for my church family. But be very careful that that's not where the thanksgiving and the praise is. For there's something amiss if you stop there. You're not discerning the body. Anything that's achieved by the church of Jesus Christ, any ministry that's engaged in, any good that's done must always resound in glory to the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and saved us, who bought us to himself with his precious blood. Discern the body, recognize Christ, give him praise for all ministry that's done in his name. Did you know a jet aeroplane is made up 100% of parts that can't fly? Anybody getting on a plane this week? I'm sorry about that, but that's true. Every single piece of that plane, not one of them can fly. They're all non-flying parts. But when they're assembled together, and when they're fulfilling their function, not only can that plane runs speedily down the runway, but it can soar to tens of thousands of feet off the ground. It can travel through the air at hundreds of miles an hour when it's working together. And so Jesus comes and he, by his spread, gives us gifts, gives us this purpose that we would soar in our service for his name, that the world might be made aware and make much of his majesty. 
So may we wait upon him. May we depend upon him. But with his empowering and for his glory, go into this world to serve him well through the gifts that he's given to us. Let's pray together. Father God, we look to you because without you there is not a thing that we can't do. Lord, there's nothing more harmful than ministry that's engaged in without the anointing and enabling of the Holy Spirit. Man's work will perish. God's work will last forever. So, Lord, may we who love you submit to your work in our lives, your equipping, empowering, enabling to go into this world to glorify you, to bless others. Lord, we pray for in this season and empowering for your church in this place that every believer would rise up and serve you with the gifts that you've given. Lord, the needs in our world are great, but the power that is released through our great God is greater by far. So, Lord, we look to you. We make ourselves available to you. Take us as we are and use us for your perfect plan. Alone to the honor of name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.